You're now listening to the Hot Take Podcast with Stephen Blake, your source for everything fantasy football. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni of Fantrax HQ and Blake Sullivan of Roto Ballers. What is up, everybody? This is the Hot Take Podcast. My name is Stephen Taroni. Joined by me, as always, Blake Sullivan. And we've got a great show for you today. Going to get in some buy low trades. Going to get into our turkey day hangover sleepers before we wrap it up with some waiver wire targets. And of course, the hot bowl prediction. Blake, how are we feeling this week, man? I'm starting to get nervous, to be honest. I'm just on the bubble. Kind of like my Packers are in the hunt, but it's not looking too promising. But I got two more weeks of fantasy football to try to make it into the playoffs. And if I make it into the playoffs, I'm feeling pretty confident, actually. Hey, man, at this point, it's you're, you're zero and zero, and it's like just win out. Just got to win, baby. Just like, uh, just like the Raiders. We got a special guest on the show, Aiton Mozia of Fantrax HQ. What's going on, man? Hey, hey, guys. Pleased to be on the show. Yes, sir. Yeah, you joined Fantrax um, a couple months ago, right? Yeah, about two, three months ago. And I've uh, been writing uh, their start sit every week. I also have uh, a few Dynasty uh, articles that go up uh, usually every Monday or Tuesday over at Fantrax. I got to say, man, it's been a pleasure uh, working with you over there. Um, it's nice to have a, uh, I feel like, a strong presence around, you know, because I always feel like I'm a little too much in the group chat sometimes. And then, like, it's just nice to have some balance with you because I feel like that you're going to say what you want and you're kind of like a free speaker. I try to be. I do. That's, well, that's why you're on the show, bro. So I hope you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had an amazing game last night. Um, if you were, you know, fortunate enough to be in front of your TV for a good, what, two and a half hours. It's a long game. We saw history last night with the Chiefs and the Rams. 54-51 uh, to 51 final score. Well over that 63 and a half over under, I believe it was. Um, amazing game. Blake, why don't you just lead us off here and just like a few thoughts, uh, not just from a fantasy perspective, but just from a football perspective. Man, it was unbelievable to watch. Uh, just something felt different about the game. I don't know if it's a matchup, the young QBs. Uh, the actual the defense was actually pretty good too. So I don't know what it was. Maybe it was everything going on in California. But something felt special with that game. And I was actually talking with my brother about it uh, before. I think the over was set at like 65 or something like that. It was in the mid-60s there. And Vegas had only ever set an over at 65 10 times before. And yeah. every single time it went over that. Wow. So, uh, I, I mean, Vegas isn't going to want to predict 75 points because nobody's going to want to bet on that. But – Absolutely insane to see 105 points like that. First time two teams over 50 points, and the first time ever a team puts up 50 points and loses. Absolutely insane. Fun to watch, though. Yeah, why don't you uh, chime in? Uh, just your thoughts on – because we're not – you know, uh, you mentioned that you dra uh, drafted Patrick Mahomes in Dynasty a couple years ago. So you were on the pulse before I was. But this year I targeted him in all of my drafts in 10th, 11th round because – it just made so much sense to me that this guy was going to at least be, you know, in the range for QB one discussion. Now we know he is the QB one. So what's your thoughts just watching him and watching golf last night? 
Well, I mean, from Jared Goff, I see a quarterback that's a good, solid quarterback that is helped a lot by uh, the players around him, by the talent around him, by his system. In the system. I think, yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is is in a similar situation <clears throat> in terms of pure talent level. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has a little bit more arm talent and a little bit more wiggle than Jerry Goff has uh, just in terms of his mobility and his ability to uh, escape uh, either left or right and still be able to throw on the move out of the pocket. I don't think Jerry Goff quite has that quite yet, but I mean, I think we're seeing uh, the next uh, Brady Manning. We're seeing the next, you know, Rogers versus any other great QB. Uh, and we're seeing it early in their careers just because they're both in systems that play to their strengths. Uh, the, stre- the spread concepts that Andy Reid has uh, brought to the Kansas City Chiefs uh, this season in anticipation of having a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes have, have worked wonders. You just have a perfect uh, system in terms of uh, those pieces around him uh, that help that system go. You have a running back who is both a solid on the ground between the tackles guy and a guy that can go out in space and catch passes. You have Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in the NFL. And you also have uh, Tyreek Hill, who, as we were discussing right before this uh, show, who I think is the the best deep threat uh, in the NFL. And I mean, I know that's not a hot take at this point, but, but I really do think he's different than, you know, Brandon Cooks on the other side. Uh, Brandon Cooks got that pass interference penalty. He doesn't quite have the requisite strength uh, to be able to, uh, pull down balls in tight quarters that Tyree Hill possesses. And I think that's just a perfect uh, fit with Patrick Mahomes' arm. And uh, so I think both of these quarterbacks are going to be good for a very long time. And uh, all of their uh, secondary and tertiary pieces in their offense are signed uh, for many seasons after this one. So this could be a theme. This could be a thing uh, that we see moving forward. But in terms of the game by itself, I mean, I don't need a Super Bowl anymore. I'm good. Yeah, I hear you, man. Uh, it, this this game was kind of like the climax of the season thus far. And what's great is, you know, we're not even at Thanksgiving yet. So we got to really appreciate what we're seeing with uh, with these two teams because I forget who said it uh, on Twitter. It might have been Matt Harmon, actually, but he just kind of basically put it in a, a nice perspective that these two teams have figured out the modern game almost perfectly, like both of them. So it was just you saw that come to fruition last night. Um, Blake, anything from a fantasy perspective that really caught your eye, uh, any player in particular? Uh, we had a couple um, receivers from last night that, you know, kind of made some noise that might be on the waiver wire. I know we'll get into that later, but anything else from a fantasy perspective that caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, honestly, not much caught my eye. This game was so well documented going into it. Uh, talked a little bit about Brown and where is the backup running backs there, how they might have some value in the receiving game. Yeah, uh, if one team would have got out ahead, you know, some things like that that were kind of important. Uh, you look at Robert Woods. I expected him to have a big game last night without Cooper Cup there. So that's something to look at going forward. Reynolds was also a big target for me last week. Put him in some DFS lineups. Uh, apart from that, though, really wasn't anything that sh- shocked me other than the score. And you know, um, I'm trying to. I don't remember if it was um, Jason Witten last night or not, but. They, they were talking about how it's like a heavyweight battle, you know, where they're just standing in the center of the ring throwing punches. They're not dancing around. They're just trading blows. Most definitely. I was uh, thinking of, um, you know, a couple fantasy relevant players. Like if, 
this game is obviously inflated with the high scoring and all of the yards that were put up in this game. So it's kind of tough to gauge like a Josh Reynolds or something like that. But I was looking at Gerald Everett, who's always been a guy, well, not always been, since he came out. Um, he's been a guy who I was just like, wow, you know, he's got the size, he's got the talent. If they could just utilize him a little bit more, obviously he has holes in his game. And it just takes a while for a tight end. But um, Aiden, do you think that uh, Gerald Everett is worth an ad in, in redraft, let's say like a 12-team league? I know that he's a dynasty asset, but uh, is he worth a redraft look at this point? I mean, at this point, when looking at all the tight ends, at, you're honestly trying not to lose as much as you're trying to win with that position. Right. And if that's the case, anybody that can give you eight points, <laughs> I mean, you'll take it. So one touchdown really does it for you. And, I mean, anyone on the Rams is viable. Anybody on the Chiefs is viable. Anybody on the Saints is viable. These are just teams that you want to chase uh, the people that are getting any amount of targets on these teams. So as long as Cooper Cup is out, as long as those uh, short to intermediate targets, uh, as as well as, you know, some of the the deeper shots are reserved for uh, Gerald Everett, I think between the two tight ends on the Rams, Gerald Everett is going to be the guy uh, that's going to get you in the end zone. I think much like uh, Indianapolis, uh, we're seeing a Jack Doyle type role for Tyler Higby and uh, an Eric Ebron type role for uh, Gerald Everett, as in him getting the the quality targets that you know are really in position to score. Yeah, I, I saw both of them out in the field a lot, and I was wondering, like, man, you know, it, are they out on the field that often together? You know, it, usually, or is this, you know, because of Cooper Cup being out? And I think that that has a lot to do with it. You know, uh, like you said, uh, not only the slot guy, but the red zone threat for the Rams is Cooper Cup, or at least one of them. Uh, He's definitely Jared Goff's main target in the red zone. So now he's gone. Uh, We could be seeing Gerald Everett being that guy. Uh, He did score last week as well. So um, I definitely think he's worth an ad if you're having trouble with the tight end. Like if you've relied on David Njoku all year, who, you know, I'm a big fan of, Blake, you're a big fan of, but he hasn't really produced. I think he had like one catch for 18 yards last week. Maybe you pick up Gerald Everett just in case, and you know, maybe you start him over David Njoku. That wouldn't be the craziest thing right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Before we move on, I just want to talk about Sammy Watkins. What happened? Why did he, why did he even play? I, I don't understand that. Does he have something in his contract where he has to start? Like, I, I don't understand. Yeah, I, I didn't hear any horror stories of like people starting Sammy Watkins, but I imagine they're out there. I mean, that would had to be somebody. Yeah, that would be. I mean, I, I was about to, but with the uncertainty leading up to the game, I decided to start Hill and then pay down at a lot of other positions. Oh, that worked out. <laughs> uh, I mean, he tends to, to throw the ball around to, to multiple targets. And yes. so I think the only two real safe targets on uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill because you can kind of pencil them in for – And Kareem Hunt. <laughs> yeah, and Kareem Hunt. But, again, that's, that's not an every week thing. That's most weeks, but not every single week. Um, in the passing you know, game, you're, you're in, saying. Yeah, in, even in the passing game. But – 
everyone else on that team is a tertiary target at best. And that is just going to be, I mean, it's boom bust. You're going to get some weeks where that position catches a touchdown. Um, but you're also going to get some weeks where that position does nothing. And uh, in Sammy Watkins case, he was actually really coming on uh, with the, uh, the, the chiefs lately, um, but he was hurting this one. He was hampering this one. And so I get what you mean by saying, you know, does he really need to play? Is he contractually obligated to play every game, even though he's hurt? I think no, but I also think that uh, moving from team to team, he's moved from Buffalo to the Rams and now at the 49ers. I mean, he's that guy that really wants to build up some equity with the coaching staff and just show them that he's going to be a guy uh, that wants to grit it out. And I think that's a quality uh, that is admirable and something that even for his lack of production, maybe fantasy owners didn't appreciate, but I'm sure his coach did. Yeah, most definitely. I think it's uh, the lingering foot injury that he's um, always experienced. Um, and I don't know about his season outlook. I don't want to project going forward, but keep an eye on Sammy Watkins because there's a guy that we're going to talk about on the waiver wire show that could be more important if we get anything on Sammy Watkins. I mean, you know, we, we didn't really expect OJ Howard to miss a lot of time. We were like, okay, you know, he'll be all right. No, he's out for the season. He's on injured reserve. So just kind of the, keep an eye out on Sammy Watkins because if he can't go, um, there is definitely a wide receiver on the chiefs that could step up in a big way. Chris Conley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so before we get into the Turkey day hangover and our wave wire guys, we want to talk about some guys you could buy low on right now. Uh, Blake, I want you to make the case for Demarius Thomas. I know that he put a goose egg on your team last week, uh, not your team in particular, but most teams that started all teams that started Demarius Thomas. Um, so I want to just talk about Demarius Thomas right now. Um, what do you think Demarius Thomas's outlook is for the rest of the season? Is he's a wide receiver three? Well, he definitely did put up a goose egg in my team in particular, <laughs> but uh, I know both of you guys are going to be down on him, but I'm, uh, I'm not down on him, even though I own him. I'm looking at his schedule coming up. He's got Tennessee, Cleveland, Indiana, all at home. And then he goes on the road to the Jets and the Eagles. It's not great as far as the playoffs go, but, you know, these next three weeks against Tennessee, Cleveland, and Indiana, Indiana being the first week of the playoffs. Indianapolis. Yes, Indianapolis, the Colts. Uh, I'm looking at these guys, and I'm just thinking, you know, he could bounce back in these games, and if he does, he's going to have a good value. So you might want to try to buy him now after he put up the goose egg and he had the bye week before, and in the three games prior to that, he hadn't done a whole lot either. But he's got the he's got the big time game potential, and he could have touchdown upside if he gets more targets in the red zone. Uh, right now, DeAndre Hopkins is kind of taking those away, but with Kiki Cootie coming back, being healthy, I think that's going to take some of the pressure off of Demarius Thomas. Hopefully, that's going to let his production come back up. And like I said, you should be able to get him cheap now. I see him as a wide receiver three, maybe a flex play at best. But the nice thing about him is you can stack him uh, on your bench. Hopefully. If you're in a position like Steven where you're pretty much guaranteed the playoffs right now, two weeks left, you know, uh, if you're already in, now would be a good time to go ahead and buy them low. If there's any guys on your team that aren't going to help you on the playoffs, you don't like their schedule, go ahead and move on from them and stack somebody like Demarius Thomas who has a safe upside when the playoffs come around. Yeah, I mean – I, I will say that the schedule is is nice. I mean, you're right. The three home games, uh, there's a very good game. You want to start receivers against Titans, Browns, and the Colts. Uh, and then that championship week, we're looking at this Eagles team. Like, uh, you know, I'm looking at it at least. And I'm like, 
I don't process it as a good matchup for wide receivers, but it certainly is. They are decimated at the, at the cornerback position. So championship week, Demarius Thomas has a good matchup. You're, you're completely right about that. I'm just worried that, you know, Deshaun Watson isn't the type of guy to spread the ball around, and he's going to hyper-target his main guy in, in DeAndre Hopkins. And now Kiki Kuti is just like this easy, you know, like drive up the field. I can get that like five, six, seven, eight-yard uh, pass, and he kind of just does that uh, when Kiki is in the game. So that takes away from Thomas's value, but I do love the schedule. Uh, Aiden, I, I know you're not high on Thomas, but if you're looking at the schedule and you're thinking, hey, I can get him for, uh, you know, for nothing. I mean, you know, would you take the shot if you in, – in any situation? I mean, me personally, I'm a Bronco fan, so I have my own feelings about Demarius Thomas. But that aside – I think you're onto something in saying that uh, Sean Watson hyper-targets uh, folks. He definitely does. Uh, we've seen that that's a concentrated offense, uh, but the targets really only funneled uh, previously to uh, D-Hop as well as Will Fuller. With Will Fuller out of the mix, uh, Kiki Kuti has at least taken the role of seeing those targets, although those aren't the same uh, deep shots you would see uh, from Fuller. I think that the presence of Kuti in that offense really affects – uh, the production you can expect from any other uh, wide receiver in that offense. Um, we're not going to see many targets uh, to anyone other than Hopkins down the field. And Demarius, Tom, Demarius Thomas's uh, primary skill set was really the screen game back when you remember him with Peyton when he was a little yes. younger receiver. Um, I don't think the Texans have that same playbook. They don't really uh, do those plays very often to their wide receivers. Uh, they don't really even target their uh, running backs all that much. They really kind of want to get it down the field. If they can't get it down the field, they want to work it slowly up the middle. So um, I wouldn't be super high on Demarius Thomas, and I'm also not super high on him uh, long-term just because of his contract next season. It's going to be an albatross uh, for an older receiver that can't uh, really give you that that extra level of production. And because of that, I don't think that the team is going to be overly concerned with finding a way to get him really truly integrated into that offense down the stretch. So I'd be very careful with him uh, moving forward. And uh, I think they really only got him just as a pure replacement for just having another guy on the field to threaten defenses in the way Will Fuller uh, would if he was healthy. Yeah, other guys that you can um, kind of try to look around your league and, you know, because we're making the push right now. The trade deadlines are coming up. Um, and you just want to look at these schedules, these playoff schedules. So Carolina Panthers, if you can get them, um, week 13 at Tampa Bay, got to love that. At Cleveland, week 14. Week 15, home against the Saints. Championship week against the Falcons. So, you know, maybe a Devin Funches who hasn't done much, um, but if you can get a DJ Moore in a package, if you can get Greg Olson potentially if someone has two tight ends, I think Greg Olson is a wonderful trade target. If you look around your league and Olson is that guy's second tight end or he's starting, you know, he's flipping back and forth, I think that's a great target. Um, so, but DJ Moore is definitely a guy that we're going to talk about on the waiver wire show uh, part of the show because. Uh, you, you have to roster a guy like this that can put up your 30-point games, just like Traquan Smith. Um, 
you know, he might be boom or bust, but he at least has to be on your roster. And then you have to make that decision if you want to flex him or not. And that's, that's what we have to do in fantasy football. Uh, before we move on, let's do Dalvin Cook. And Cook laid, uh, you know, he really disappointed is what he did. He didn't lay a goose egg, but he I got negative, I think, passing yards at one point. Uh, it was just not a good game for Dalvin Cook. I was big on Cook. We talked about him last week. Uh, the, I think the, the start sit was Alex Collins or Dalvin Cook. And I went Cook. You know, Collins obviously got the touchdown, so it turned out to be the better play. Um, Cook, 9 for 12, three catches for a negative two yards. Um, really disappointing for Dalvin Cook owners. So, Blake, at this point, I think that you're right, that he is a good buy-low candidate because I think that you can trade – you know, very low for him. I don't think that you're, you even have to, you know, you can probably just trade a, a wide receiver two straight up in some cases if someone's desperate at that receiver spot. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a very big Dalvin Cook fan at all. Um, I, I would definitely – I like him right now because he's a great trade low candidate, like you said. I, his matchup's not great, but it's definitely not bad. Um, it, to me, it really depends how much you're going to have to give up. In a redraft situation, you're probably going to be able to get him really cheap. In Dynasty, he's probably going to be way too expensive to afford him this year and really help you out much. I, I'd rather wait until the offseason and then try to get him when he's healthy. Uh, but for right now, like I said, I think he's mostly in redraft situations is where you're going to want to try to pick him up. Uh, but it really just comes down to how much you're going to have to give up for him. Is there hope for Dalvin Cook, Aiden? I I don't know at this point. Honestly, uh, I was somebody who really didn't quite understand the hype around Dalvin Cook last offseason. It's as if he got an ACL injury after four games and his price increased somehow between then and uh, the beginning of this season. And then, of course, as soon as he comes back, he has compensation hamstring injuries. Right. I'm worried about Dalvin Cook, and I'm worried about Dalvin Cook both for this year and long term. Um, And the reasons are as follows. First and foremost, that team last year uh, was a team that wanted to run the ball. They wanted to run the ball. They also uh, wanted to uh, get Dalvin in those short uh, catch situations to see if he could give them uh, some yak. And the reason that they did that was because of the limitations at their quarterback position, Case Keenum. Uh, Again, Bronco fan, I know all about Case Keenum. We're not going to get into it. I'm going to try to keep this as family-friendly of a podcast as I can. But um, the change over to Kirk Cousins showed a change or shift in philosophy of that team. Uh, It was a team that really wanted to utilize their outside weapons in both Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. And even with a healthy Dalvin Cook, I think on his best day, he's going to be the third option in the passing game on that team. And honestly, he's going to swap back and forth with Kyle Rudolph for that position, uh, which leads us to the run game. In terms of the run game, the offense uh, just doesn't have a good offensive line. They have a bottom yeah. third unit in the NFL, uh, so it's going to be hard to grind out yards. And you have the added caveat of having somebody behind you in Latavius Murray that have shown this season that he can play. Uh, People forget he was hurt at the beginning of the last season. It's not like they didn't want to use Latavius Murray. They brought him in. They intended to use him, but he was hurt. Now that he's healthy, that's just another thing to take in consideration when understanding what Dalvin Cook's true value is. 
especially yeah. when you understand that Dalvin Cook is, I think, between 205 and 215 pounds. He's not supposed to be a, a 25, 30 carry type of running back anyway. So I think people really need to kind of put all of these factors together and to step away from the, the cliff of the hype surrounding Dalvin Cook. I think he's a good player, but I think we anointed him a star far too soon just because of all the great running backs uh, that we saw in the last couple of off seasons. Um, I think Dalvin Cook uh, moving forward should really be seen as a top 24 running back. And I think you'll get, you know, low RB1 weeks from him every so often, but I really wouldn't uh, count on it uh, with, with all the things that I've, I've just mentioned about uh, the Minnesota Vikings and how I believe we've seen that they want to operate this season. I think that you're right about everything you say, Aiton. And uh, but that being said, if you are struggling at the running back position and you're just like, man, if, if I could just fill in this RB two spot with somebody, I think that Dalvin Cook is the kind of guy that you can get for really, really low at this point. Like his his price has never been lower basically than right now. And I think that we know he's healthy at least. Um, so he's in the high-powered offense with the Vikings that are going to – you assume they're going to put up points. Um, so if you can kind of, <laughs> you know, contact the Dalvin Cook owner about somebody else, just someone else, like maybe Emmanuel Sanders, you know, like, eh, throw in Dalvin Cook, you know, just kind of like that. And maybe you can get somebody for the last couple weeks of the season if you're really hurting at that, at that running back position. So let's get into our uh, Turkey Day Hangover Sleeper. So we're just going to talk about one sleeper from the Thanksgiving Day games that we got coming up. Um, Thanksgiving is always one of my favorite days of the year because you got family, you got food, and you got football. All of the three good Fs out there. Um, So my sleeper on Thanksgiving is going to be Trey Quinn. And this isn't the household name. Usually seventh round picks aren't. But I want to tell you about Trey Quinn because this guy spent two years at LSU and couldn't get onto the field. And he transfers to SMU and puts up 114 catches for 1,236 yards and 13 touchdowns out of the slot at SMU. Obviously, he was in a good system that worked out for him, and these are college stats. But the reason I talk about Trey Quinn is because if Jameson Crowder is out, which I haven't gotten an update on him today but assuming that he's out Quinn is in the slot for Colt McCoy and the Redskins on Thanksgiving Um, he got four catches last week 49 yards and this guy is explosive when he has the ball in his hands think Cole Beasley uh, but a little more fast twitch than Cole Beasley like he's actually quicker he's sharper with his routes and I think that if he's on the field like you know 80 percent of snaps he can give you a nice floor for a flex play. Um, now, at this point in the season, I don't know if you're going to flex Trey Quinn in a 12-man. It's probably more of a DFS, but I do like him as a sleeper uh, for this week. It's probably a DFS play. I don't know that I'd be adding him for a playoff run or anything, but with Colt McCoy back there, uh, it's basically a level playing field as far as, the, as far as the receivers go because Colt McCoy isn't going to have the in-game connections with the receivers like Alex Smith had had. Uh, is only in practices. So, you know, it's basically a level playing field as far as opportunity goes, as long as he does get to start if Crowder is out. Take this as you will, um, but an interesting stat about Trey Quinn, Trey Quinn and Cortland Sutton went to the same uh, university at SMU. Trey Quinn outproduced Cortland Sutton at SMU. 
Uh, so I think that tells you everything you need to know about him. Like you said, he's a quick twitch slot receiver. Uh, Jameson Crowder is not going to be there on that team. They're going to have Colt McCoy instead of Alex Smith, not saying that Alex Smith was an aggressive quarterback, but obviously these guys are going to look for shorter, easier completions. And I think right. Trey Quinn's just going to be the guy closest to the line of scrimmage, at least until we see a return from uh, the running back that's injured on the Redskins, uh, Chris Thompson. Yes. I think he'll kind of take that Chris Thompson role for as long as Thompson's out. And he can be a, a valuable asset uh, moving forward this year in redraft leagues, as well as, uh, as I think, a long-term asset uh, for dynasty leagues. I believe Trey Quinn and Justin Watson were the two late-round must-haves in dynasty leagues all off-season long this year. Yep. Yeah, no, Trey Quinn was uh, – was, I was hearing everything about him in the off-season, and I was like – well, I, I, you know, I'm not going to draft him to redraft, so I really don't care. <laughs> um, but uh, so who is, uh, who's your guy, Blake, for, for Thanksgiving? Yeah, my guy for the Thanksgiving Day games is going to be Austin Hooper. He's top three in receptions among tight ends. And New Orleans has been pretty stingy against tight ends as far as fantasy scoring goes. So I am a little bit worried about that. But especially in DFS plays, I'm hoping that helps him out. Uh, maybe his, his ownership will be a little bit less. But you look how many points the Saints have been putting up lately. The Falcons are going to have to find a way to march down the field. And my guess would be that's going to be a lot of Julio Jones and a lot of Austin Hooper. In week 10, Hooper had 10 receptions. Uh, and he's not a huge touchdown threat right now, but as many receptions as he's getting, and he picks up five or six yards per catch. So that's going to be really huge uh, as far as his production. If he can get a lot of receptions, I think he's going to have a really good game. Uh, my turkey day hangover sleeper uh, is Ben Watson. Um, just going back to Austin Hooper, I think Austin Hooper is definitely a good uh, a good matchup this week. I think he's he's going to produce, like you were mentioning about the targets. Uh, my issue with him has always been not having consistent targets, but we've seen in the last few weeks him actually get uh, a decent target share. So uh, he has all the athletic ability in the world to uh, make something of that, and I think that uh, we'll see uh, – a change in how he's perceived in the fantasy community um, as he continues to produce uh, down the stretch this season. Moving to Ben Watson, uh, the reason uh, that I think Ben Watson would be a great uh, turkey day hangover sleeper is because everybody is kind of going nuts about Traquan Smith. Yep. Uh, he had a great, he had a great game, a breakout game. People also need to understand he wasn't targeted in his last game. So I think the only people that you can really trust in the Saints passing game um, is Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. And after those two, it's a complete crapshoot. Against uh, Atlanta specifically, uh, they still have safeties hurt. I know they just got Deion Jones back, so uh, they'll have uh, that linebacker presence back to uh, potentially stay with the tight ends. Um, but they've been susceptible to, I mean, tight ends left and right. They've been susceptible just through the air. Uh, left and right because of all the injuries they've had. They're also a high-scoring team, uh, so we know there's going to be points scored in that contest. And I think Ben Watson is as likely as Traquan Smith uh, to be the one to pull down that touchdown that's not thrown to Michael Thomas. Uh, I just think everybody in that offense is viable just in the same manner as you would, uh, like I was mentioning before, the L.A. Rams uh, or the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Just, just gobble them up. Get as many Saints as you can. 
Yeah, I love it. You're right. It's a crapshoot. And, you know, in a DFS situation, that's why you started Trey Quan Smith last week, just in case. That's why you start Ben Watson. Of course, you know, they kind of flip-flopped zeros, uh, but that's the risk you take. It's the boom or bust with these guys. Speaking of those guys, one of those is actually going to be Brandon Marshall. Uh, do you guys know if he's playing this Thursday? Will he be activated? I don't even know if he's going to play it all this year, to be honest with you. Really? Oh, okay, because they signed him. Uh, yeah, I don't – I haven't gotten, like, an official alert, but from what I've seen, they haven't been uh, thrilled thrilled enough with him. Let's just say that to start him over, you know, guys like Traquan Smith or uh, Kirkwood who came in and played really well last game. It's a good call. Kirkwood is another guy. But, yeah, you know, just kind of be thinking about looking uh, for Brandon Marshall if they do activate him because he could be another red zone guy. Yeah, him, Austin Carr. Honestly, yeah. you have no idea who that touchdown that doesn't go to Kamara yep. or Thomas is going to. And that's how it's yeah, been. I picked, I picked up Watson, too, and I, I had him last week with a, a goose egg for me. So, yeah. him and DT both put up goose eggs. It was kind of Ooh. a rough week. Ooh, that is rough. <laughs> yeah, do it. Oh, man. So, let's get into some of these waiver wire guys. Going to just kind of fly through them. We'll talk about, like um, – so, we got – Josh Reynolds, who's 26.1% owned, and Chris Conley, who's 1.6% owned. So both of these receivers showed out last night. Conley had the two touchdowns. Reynolds had one, almost two. He was like literally a toe away from a second touchdown. Um, so both of these guys are going on by, and they are certainly relevant in these offenses. So if it's between Reynolds and Conley, and let's make this more interesting, let's say Sammy Watkins isn't going to play. Uh, of course, we have no idea at this point. But let's say Sammy Watkins isn't going to play in week 13. Which of these guys is more interesting to you, Aiden? Between Chris Conley and Josh Reynolds, um, I would have to go Josh Reynolds. And that's only because of uh, the presence of a dominant uh, tight end uh, in Chris Conley's uh, offense. Yes. I mean, like we were mentioning, Travis Kelsey and, uh, and Tyreek Hill are, are the two guys out in Kansas City, whereas – on the Rams, I don't really think there is a dominant receiver, so to speak. They all have different roles. Brandon Cooks is the deep threat, and he also uh, does the quick stuff underneath. Uh, Robert Woods is actually the one now playing in um, Cooper Cup's vacated position. So he's the one in the slot primarily. So he's going to get those high-value, uh, uh, high-completion percentage targets. Uh, and then you have Josh Reynolds, who actually plays on the outside. Um, and Again, he, he usually gets those intermediate uh, targets. And he's a deep threat uh, as well, although not to the same level as Brandon Cooks. But um, the reason that I would pick uh, Reynolds uh, over Conley is, is just because I see all of them really being used. I believe that uh, Conley can just as easily boom one week, uh, yeah. just as we've seen and then be a complete no-show the next one. Um, and I don't think you have that same fear when starting a guy like Josh Reynolds because you know uh, with Sean McVay, with how that offense operates. And now if uh, Todd Gurley is going to uh, spend any time out or any time even limited in the way that we saw him play this last game, uh, they're just going to have to throw it even more. So I do think Josh Reynolds has a, a higher chance of not giving you that zero. And for, for that reason, that's why I, I lean his way. 
Yeah, I, I, if it's between the two and we know that Watkins is out, I think Conley is more appealing to me. Um, I, I, I just like having my quarterback being connected to Patrick Mahomes uh, in that offense. That's why Sammy Watkins was a big target for me this year as well. Uh, so if he gets into that Sammy Watkins role, um, you, the, the, you know that they use that, that second receiver because um, we've seen Watkins have big games. We just saw Conley have a big game. Uh, again, with the inflated uh, high scoring. But uh, I would take Conley. They're both great ads, um, but I think Reynolds is the safer ad right now because we know his place in that offense right now, and it's that third receiver. He's on the field uh, like 90% of the time. They run out of a three-receiver set often uh, for the Rams. So, yeah, you're right. Josh Reynolds is, uh, is a must-add at this point. Um, DJ Moore, 32% owned. Um, and then another guy, Trey Quan Smith. So we're seeing Anthony Miller as well. All of these rookies really um, kind of finding their stride. But one guy that no one is really talking about still is Christian Kirk. And I think that that's justifiable considering that he's playing with in the Arizona Cardinals with Josh Rosen. Um, but do you, Blake, I'll, I'll bring this to you. Do you think that Christian Kirk is worth an ad or would you just focus your, uh, your fab or your wave of priority somewhere else? No, he's definitely worth an ad. He's been one of the guys I've actually targeted a lot in DFS lately. He's remained cheap basically just because of the quarterback situation there, because that offense is not great. But if you look at his scoring, he's been really consistent. He's only had one game under five points since week two. So that's that's really good for me. You know, If I can get seven or eight guys or seven or eight points out of guys in my flex position, I'm going to be happy with that, and especially in DFS formats where – uh, you're trying to cut salary somewhere. He's been huge for that. He's got Atlanta in week 15. That could be a good game. I don't look for them to do anything in the championship week in uh, week 16 against the Rams, though. So, you know, kind of just depends on what you're looking at. He's got the Chargers and the Packers uh, these two weeks leading up to the playoffs. So I'm not a huge fan of him as far as these redraft leagues go uh, for, for the playoffs. But if you're looking at DFS plays, he still does have pretty good value there. And if you're a dynasty guy looking to get a young receiver that has a lot of talent, he's definitely the way to go. Yeah, good call. I, I just feel like he's kind of the forgotten name a lot of times with these rookie wide receivers, but you're right. He's been really consistent uh, besides the dud in week 10 against Kansas City. Um, he's given you double digit fantasy points most most weeks, actually. Um, so, you, if, you know, you give me a, a nice safe floor uh, with obviously the boom play that he has the boom play capability um you know it's they're like a poor man's uh, josh rosen and christian kirk are like a poor man's golf and cooper cup because they're buddies you know they, they want rosen wants to find kirk when he's out there and you could really see that last year when golf and cup start playing together that, that this bond like all right this is my guy i'm gonna find him when when he's open um so that that actually works out and he's on the field a lot so I really do like Christian Kirk as an ad when I think a lot of people are going to go for the DJ Moores and the Traquans. You can kind of get, sit back and get Christian Kirk for free. Um, so let's move on to the running backs. Uh, Gus Edwards, 0.02% owned. He's, I don't know who owns Gus Edwards. That you, Congratulations, the one person that owns Gus Edwards right now. Um, but I believe what I see. I think there's everyone starting off the Gus Edwards discussion with is he for real? Well, yeah, I just 
don't worry about that. Just get them, you know, just get them on your team and then find out because you don't want to be guessing and then someone else picks them up. Um, Aiden, are you tempering your expectations or are you all in with Gus Edwards? Um, I mean, I'll start this really quickly just by going back to the DJ Moore, Christian Kirk thing. I won't spend too much time on it because I know you guys are trying to to move it along. Um, Between DJ Moore and Christian Kirk, I would definitely go uh, DJ just because I feel like he has the opportunity to actually be the number one in his offense, whereas Christian Kirk is going to be number two until Larry Fitzgerald, you know, dies. Like, if he even retires, I think he'll – his ghost will still be out there catching passes. Most of. Christian Kirk, so – but in terms of Gus Edwards, whether or not I think he's for real, um, I think people need to go back to last season and think about last season. Did we think Alex Collins was real? I mean, nope. isn't this the same type of thing that Alex Collins did last year? And then he won a lot of people fantasy leagues towards the end of the season. Most um, anybody that is running uh, behind uh, a line that's, that's pretty solid in, in the Ravens, as well as a rushing quarterback who's going to open up uh, secondary and tertiary lanes uh, for their running back is going to be a hot commodity. Um, as long as Lamar Jackson starts, I want all of Gus Edwards that I can get. And uh, honestly, I already had him on taxi squads because I saw him uh, perform this way in the preseason. Um, I am usually not a proponent of coach speak. Uh, I try to stay away from it as much as possible because, I mean, honestly, coaches are incentivized to lie as often as possible <laughs> because it just gives their opposition no heads up uh, when it comes to what they're actually going uh, to do come game time, but uh, after the game, uh, Harbaugh was really glowing about Edwards. He mentioned that Edwards was a back that he didn't previously have in his roster, which I believe kind of tells you all you need to know. Right. Um, he's not a supreme athlete. Uh, he's not uh, super strong either. He, he's kind of one of those guys in the middle that's I would probably say athletically, at least, uh, probably an average runner, but he looks like he has some decent vision. Um, that's a team that's going to run a heck of a lot if Lamar Jackson's starting just because Lamar has his own issues passing. I mean, a lot of those factors, when you add them all up together, they tell you, hey, Gus Edwards is going to be a thing uh, moving forward. We already saw his, uh, we already saw Harbaugh's not having any reluctance to replace whoever he was starting last season with Alex Collins. So I think he is going to feel the same exact way when it comes to replacing Alex Collins with Gus Edwards, at least for the rest of the season. This is uh, one of those situations that I would really peg to have a strong look at the running back class that's going to be in free agency this season, as well as uh, the 2019 rookies rookies, uh, that come out. I think um, Snell, uh, I think, uh, the guy out of um, out of Stanford, Bryce Love, uh, as well as David Montgomery, are, are going to be some people that uh, the uh, the um, Ravens are, are really going to be spending some time to to scout and see if they can get on their teams this offseason. If they don't go out and sign a Tevin Coleman or a Le'Veon Bell or any of those guys that are already out there. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's time for the Ravens to get their running back. Um, it's been a while. Uh, so Blake, just like hypothetical, you know, how much fab would you spend on Gus Edwards if, you know, you were just going to do that? Well, I personally still have quite a bit left. I have $83 <laughs> left. I haven't really used much. So at this point I'm starting to use it, but you know, I want to save some for when I get into the playoffs. If there's somebody I need, I'll just spend it all. Uh, you know what I mean? If it's something really important, I, I kind of want to wait another day or two and see, 
Yes, it's kind of hard to do that, I know. But I want to wait and see if Lamar Jackson's playing or not. If they yeah. decide to go with Jackson, I really want Gus Edwards. I'd probably spend 15, 20 uh, on him. But that's in my situation. If I was if I was down to 25 or 30, I'd probably only be spending 5 or $6 of that. Uh, but when you're looking at his next four games, he's at home against Oakland, goes on the road, Atlanta and Kansas City, and then he's back home for Tampa Bay. So that gets you the first two weeks of the – of the fantasy playoffs with really good matchups. He's going to get you there too. Really liking his next four game stretch. If uh, Lamar Jackson and them can keep winning ways going, I think he remains as the quarterback and this could really help him. So moving forward, uh, Deontay Foreman, he was activated um, and he is able to play this week. I believe Um, I think he could have played last week too, but I I don't think that um, actually, I don't think that they activated him to play, but, um, I believe that he will play this season, and he's only 5.8% owned. That's Deontay Foreman running back for the Texans. Uh, when last we saw him, he busted out like a 60-yard touchdown. Uh, this guy's a monster. Um, he, he's just a truck, and he has unusual speed for his size. Um, so he actually blew out his Achilles on that 60-yard touchdown, unfortunately. So he's just recovering from that. Um, Lamar Miller, you, you can't feel great about him, even though he's getting a lot of volume right now. But I think if the Deontay Foreman comes in, he could get a lot of touches in this offense. Um, and, of course, that would be shared with Lamar Miller. But, you know, last year he started out touch Miller. And, you know, if he could become healthy, there's a chance. So I think he's just worth a stash right now. So Jameis Winston, 9.4% owned. Uh, obviously, he's back. And he has a great matchup. Look at that. Against the 49ers this week. Uh, he'll be at home. He's going to throw some picks. We know that. But uh, if you want to start him, which he's a fine streamer this week, uh, you know that they're going to pass the ball in Tampa Bay. Um, and like I said, it is a good matchup. You know, hopefully he'll make up for it with, by throwing for 300 yards and a couple touchdowns. His running mate, Cameron Brait, he loves him some Cameron Braid, and he's got the opportunity with O.J. Howard going down. So Braid is only 8.9% owned, um, and he steps right into that tight end one conversation. Aiden, are you comfortable uh, starting both of these guys this week? See, now that, that's the key word right there. Um, would I start them in a bind? Absolutely. Am I comfortable starting them? <laughs> Heck no. <laughs> and... <laughs> The reason for that is this. I mean, you can project James Winston to score 30 against the uh, 49ers simply because, like you said, that's a great matchup for quarterbacks, for receivers, and Tampa Bay has probably the best weapons uh, when you take everything and and add it all up in the NFL. Yeah. The problem is, whatever you project him at, you have to almost half – just in case he's pulled at halftime because right. he threw his three picks yeah. almost three times, and Dirk Cutter is not wanting to lose his job, which I believe at this point is honestly done and dusted. Yes. Um, Jameis Winston is just an interesting case. Um, for redraft, <laughs> I honestly I, I can't. I just because a bad quarterback score, a quarterback score of fifteen will absolutely kill you. We'll lose you your matchup every time. Um, so for yes. a guy at that position, I don't know if I can start Jameis Winston with any faith uh, whatsoever um, at this point, just because I know how short the leash is, if there's even one at this point. Honestly, they might just start alternating series. But 
Cameron Wright, uh, on the other hand, if Jameis plays, so I guess this is indirectly tied to him as well, um, I love me some Cameron Wright. I think uh, Cameron Wright could be uh, the, the waiver wire that, that definitely wins some people some leagues just because you know he's going to catch touchdowns if, uh, number one, O.J. Howard is out and if uh, James is quarterback. I think um, now that Howard is out, uh, though, uh, Cameron Wright would still be relatively safe with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So that's why um, between Wright and Winston, I would feel more comfortable with Wright. But, I mean, honestly – you are taking a, a really, really big risk uh, having your quarterback spot um, be based on whether or not Jameis Winston finishes the game. So um, go with the tight end just because tight end is dreadful and you have to play somebody, uh, but, but hold your horses with Jameis. Oh, this ties into our hot bowl prediction so nicely. Yeah, my hot bowl prediction does tie into this pretty well. I'm loving Cameron Brait, uh, regardless of who the who the quarterback is. Obviously, if Jameis Winston's going to be the quarterback, that's going to help him out a lot more. But even just having O.J. Howard out makes it a little bit more of a sure thing that Brait's going to get some targets regardless. But Jameis Winston this week, I don't think they're going to flip-flop. Even if Winston starts off poorly, I don't think they're going to flip-flop back to Fitzpatrick. It's a bad look for the organization because it just shows that they don't have trust in either of their quarterbacks. Uh, at this point, they've already kind of shown that, but it would just really make it look even worse that you know they, they don't trust their draft pick, they don't trust Ryan Fitzpatrick, who they brought in. They're going to have problems. Uh, but this week, I'm going to have confidence in Winston. Winston. I'm going to say five touchdowns this week, going really hot, really hot take. I've been kind of cold lately, so Jameis Winston with five touchdowns this week. As far as in your redraft leagues, if you're trying to get to the playoffs, you know maybe you take the safer play. Uh, and you use some boomer bust guys at the wide receiver or running back positions this week. But if you're in DFS formats, absolutely love Jameis Winston for the cheap price this week. Love it. Love it, man. Yeah, no, that's, that's a bold prediction. And, uh, you know, uh, it could very well happen. You know, Jameis Winston is, is kind of sporadic like that. Um, so Aiden, I so got I saw one, one quick yeah. fact, one quick fact before you switch. Yeah. Uh, the game the other day where, they only scored three points. That Bucks offense had more yards than the Chiefs last night. Let wow. that sink in. Wow. That is a stat. I love that. Um, hey, and I got to thank you for coming on the show, man. It's been a pleasure. It's been awesome uh, talking football with you. Uh, start us off with your bold prediction, and then just tell the people where they can find you on Twitter and uh, where they can find your stuff. All right, perfect. Um, again, appreciate being on the show. You guys do great work. Um, really an honor to, uh, to be able to uh, speak to you guys about this. My bold prediction is the Giants over the Eagles. Um, I think the Eagles are in trouble right now. Uh, I think Carson Wentz doesn't have the same level of mobility that he did last year, as would probably be expected coming off of toward ACL. I think uh, that offensive line, Jason Peters specifically, is having issues uh, protecting uh, Carson. And uh, I, I just don't really see – uh, that offense working to the same level it did uh, last year or last season uh, without Frank Reich at uh, OC for them. I think a lot of people gave Doug Peterson credit that maybe we're seeing now that would probably be better served going to uh, Frank Reich. Uh, and that offense is, is really uh, kind of showing us that. Uh, the Giants, uh, for their part, Elon Manning has 
thrown for 300 yards and something like four of the last five games, something close to that, if not that exactly. Uh, Saquon Barkley, uh, you would expect the Eagles to have a defensive line advantage over the Giants, and they will. Um, but as we all know with Saquon, he doesn't necessarily need to get his yards on the ground. He can be uh, a threat in the air. And uh, on the Giants, on the Eagles' back end, I mean, it's 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 a disaster area, <laughs> honestly. There's, uh, there's so many ways to beat the Eagles' defense through the air. Um, if you can give Manny uh, just a spare moment, I mean, you're going to take – uh, OBJ over anybody the Eagles can put on him, over two of anybody the Eagles can put on him, honestly. Uh, you're going to take Barkley over any linebacker thrown at him. <clears throat> you're going to take Ingram, again, over any linebacker uh, that they choose to put on him. And then uh, you also have Sterling Shepard. So I think the uh, the Giants are going to come out, they're going to win this game and further ruin their chances at getting a high enough pick to replace Eli. But I think that's Eli's plan all along. And uh, I think uh, the uh, the Eagles are just going to make it that much easier for him to to get his wish of starting one more season. Always drama in the NFC East, huh? Always. Always. <laughs> um, also, uh, you guys can, again, find me at uh, Fantrax HQ. Uh, you can also find uh, some of my work at Advanced Sports Logic. And shortly, uh, I'll be coming out uh, with uh, some new Dynasty-focused uh, concept uh, content. So you can find me on Twitter at uh, ff underscore wonderkid again that's ff underscore wonderkid and uh, see all the stuff that i have to offer you guys awesome awesome thanks again aiden for coming on to the show uh so my hot bolt prediction before we get out of here is lamar jackson if he's the starter if no joe flacco he's a qb5 or higher this week they're playing the Ra- uh, the raiders I love that matchup, and if you're going to give me 20-plus carries at the quarterback position and then anything else that you add through the air is just extra, oh, give me some of that. I actually hit up ESPN Fantasy on Twitter and asked them to make Lamar Jackson running back eligible. If you're going to put up 20-plus carries, I think that makes you a running back. Um, So we'll see what happens with that. But for now... Uh, thanks for coming on to the hot take. Uh, we are on Roto Baller. We're on FSGN.com, and we're on iTunes and Spot and Spotify. Um, thanks for checking out the hot take, and we will see you next week, folks. Good luck and have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening Peace. to the Hot Take Podcast. Check out Fantrax HQ and Roto Baller for your fantasy sports news and analysis. All the guys on Twitter at Steven underscore Taroni and at Blake Sullivan FF. See ya!